Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery and addiction topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The views expressed here are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome back. It's Recovery Sorta, the podcast where we talk about life, recovery, and the struggles along the way. Thanks for tuning in. Here we go. Okay, can we talk about your dick move at the baseball game? Yeah. Can we talk? Okay, sure. great. So, so Billy was an asshole at the baseball game. <laughs> no. Billy made a comment about a kid who didn't put much effort into getting the ball, right? Kid could have been scared. We talked about it. Who knows what was going on for him? But you had a reaction that was judgmental or critical about that, you know, from the stands of like, oh, man, why is he not, you know, trying harder or whatever. The hardest thing for me, and I'm just really getting a grasp on this in my life, is understanding that you're not talking about that kid. You're talking about Billy and what you're doing. If I was sitting there next to you on the bench is telling me about Billy. You're not talking about that kid at all. You're telling me what it would be like if Billy was in that situation, how he would feel about himself, right? Has nothing to do with that kid. And it's like the more I can understand that the way I've been talking about the world, I've been judging everybody else by my idea of what's right, right? So like my wife uh, says, hey, I'm going to go out with your mother this weekend and get her nails done. And I'm like... When people do that without asking their partner, they're assholes. Because if Jason does that without asking his partner, he's an asshole. Mm -hmm. That's my belief. I'm talking about me. Kimberly does that, and she's not an asshole when she does that. That's not her intention. That's just how she was raised to communicate. Hey, I'm going to do this. If you have a problem, you'll speak up about it. I don't need to ask or you know, give you a preemptive running it by you. This is running it by you, right? <laughs> right. But it's this whole time I've been judging everybody else or, or looking at everybody else by what their actions would mean if I was doing them. I have different intentions when I do my actions, right? I say, uh, memes, you're yelling at me. And she says, I didn't even raise my voice. Like we have different reactions, but I'm, I'm always judging her by what it would mean if I did it instead of letting her have her own meaning to her actions. And that has been so fucking huge for me to understand. And like when we're talking about these situations between relate couples, right? You've been romantic for what's romantic for Billy. And you can't understand why Jen doesn't get it. Right. And it's like, oh, wait a minute, baby. I've been trying to be romantic for what Billy thinks is romantic. What I believed is romantic. What, what does Jen think is romantic in the world? I want to learn who Jen is now. That has been such a fucking revelation for me. You're in a dick on the on the bleachers talking about the kid. You're a guy that struggles with not putting effort in and making mistakes. And when we can notice that and realize it's not about the kid, we're always talking about us. It just makes a lot more sense. Yeah, and like with, funny enough, with the love languages thing, because that kind of came up with her later in a conversation, um, some of my... Uh, love language, a lot of my love language is words of affirmation because I didn't get words of affirmation as a kid. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I got a lot of criticism and rejection. So I'm right. very sensitive to words and I'm very sensitive to criticism and, you know, judgment from other people, um, probably from myself too. But, 
you know, words of affirmation is one of my love languages. And she like struggles with that one. Yeah, you know what of I course. mean? Like, that's hard for her. <laughs> that's your attachment she'll thing. <laughs> say things like, you know, what and I never know like what's actual words of affirmation and how much mm. is enough and when is you know, mm. is it once a day? Is it once you know, every couple days? What counts? And I said yeah, that's how I feel about romantic stuff. It's the right. same thing. Like, that's not my love language. I'm trying to do it. Right. I want to do it because I want to honor her and respect that part of her. But it doesn't hit that same spot for right. me. Right. So knowing what to do or how much or what counts is like, I'm just, I'm guessing a little bit. Yeah. And and what I really hear you say in there, at least... When I'm speaking for Jason, like I just told you, right? Because this is what it would mean if I was in that spot. What I have found for me is that what I'm doing there, I'm frustrated that I don't know how to feel loved. That's my frustration. And I've been spending, in my case, the last 18 years blaming my partner for not giving it to me when I don't even fucking know how to feel it. I don't know how to receive it. But I've been yelling at her, you're not giving it to me right. Right. And what is taken from me in that moment is I have to learn how to love me so that I can teach her. And that's what I've been doing. I suck at words of affirmation, but Billy, I'm getting really good at it, man. <laughs> I'm like complimenting myself and cheering myself on. And every time I hear that criticism, recognizing it, raising my awareness around it and giving myself these affirmations. And that process is leading me to understand what it takes for Jason, for this fucking meat suit that I got stuck with to feel loved. And from there, I've been able to gently teach her when she yells at me or when I'm sorry, let me not put her out there. She's not running around yelling at me. My <laughs> wife is lovely, right? She's awesome. But when we get those moments, those reactive moments, I've been able, because I'm affirming myself through it. Hey, you're a good dude having a tough moment, man. It's okay. It's okay that your heart is beating fast, right? You know, this woman loves you. It's all right. I've been able to calmly say, Hey man, when you're doing that, Kimberly, Jason's not feeling love. Right. Been trying to make that distinction bigger. Like we are different people. And like, this is what's been going wrong. You've been trying to treat me the way Kimberly feels good. And it fucking sucks for me. And I've been trying to treat you the way Jason feels good. And it doesn't feel so good for you. And now I got to remember that's not it. But I had to teach me what it took. And I, and like I've realized in that moment, damn, I've been putting this on my wife for 18 years. I've been expecting her to wake up and show me how to feel love. And like I didn't even have the ability to give it to me or receive it. Yeah, and we uh, it came up in a different. Uh, I was listening to a different podcast about something else, but the guy was talking about like having like a lot of times guys won't put requests or demands on their relationship. Yeah. They won't even ask for things because as a guy, you're We're supposed to be able to take care of yeah. everything <laughs> yourself, and you're not supposed to have any needs. And yep. but that also uh, minimizes or limits your vulnerability in the relationship because part of being vulnerable is having needs and wanting the person you're with to help you with those things. And so uh, the suggestion was to try to put some like requests, what he called relationship requests into your marriage. And it's not anything like crazy. It's not like fucking go rebuild the engine of the car or something dumb, but it'd be like, Hey, I'm going to be busy this weekend. Would you mind taking care of this for me or would you mind helping with that or whatever and seeing how your partner responds to those things like mm -hmm. to see if like are they really on your team or not right, right. and uh you know it's like wow like put requests so i've been doing some of that you know and of course my wife of course is amazing and she's like oh yeah no problem like and she does it but in my head 
asking for that stuff is like such a big deal. You know what I mean? Asking for something <laughs> silly, like, hey, you know, I'm working. Right. Would you mind making me something to eat while you're getting mm-hmm. a sandwich? Or she's even will offer, like, hey, would you like a sandwich? And I'm like, I feel so good, like, to have yeah. somebody fucking care enough to like make me nurture. a sandwich, <laughs> nurture you. We all need more nurturing. Yeah. God, I, I'm sitting there and thinking about that. And just this idea of like, that's where the fucking world went astray, right? We've all been parenting our kids for generations that they shouldn't be selfish or self-centered and they shouldn't have to ask other people to do stuff for them. And like what that does is it ruins the fucking connection dynamic because Billy asks his wife to do something for him and Billy's wife feels fucking better. Because she likes helping people, you know what I mean? And then she asked for something back, and Billy feels better because she already did the thing for him, and that felt great to be cared about. And now he wants to give some back to other people in his life. And, like, that's where it all comes from, man. Like, we all need to need people. Right. We need people to do stuff for us so that it can feel good and we can feel cared about. And then we can go out and care about others and do stuff for them. And, like, all this conversation about how selfish everyone has gotten is fucking taking us the wrong direction, I feel like. Yeah, and then when you look at, like, communities where there is a lot of, like, connection and and community, like, within the culture, like, usually people have kind of roles, you know? And it's like one person might be the hunter and one person might be the farmer and one person might be, you know, better at taking care of the children. And then they share what they have. So not... One of those individuals is supposed to do it all. The right. guy's not the hunter, the farmer, and the child care person. Like, he's good at hunting, so he hunts and then relies on the rest of the community to meet those other needs. And that's completely healthy and acceptable. But that's not how we live now. <laughs> right. And then you throw onto it the idea of the patriarchy and how we socialize and gender our ki- children. And, like, to be a woman is to emphasize the feminine qualities of, like, nurturing and empathy and compassion. But to be a man is to remove feminine qualities. It's not really to be any certain thing. It's to have the absence of weakness and, you know, vulnerability. And, like, all that ties into all this attachment, how we're getting it, what we're allowed to do, if we're allowed to have needs or feelings or fucking anything it's crazy yeah you know and then we get into this big place we're at now i guess where everybody's just sort of unhappy and yeah. it's everybody else's fault ah. it's interesting it is it is. and seeing a lot of that I mean, this might pivot somewhere else but like i've been working on you know raising our children to be different like luckily through the process of recovery jen and i have been able to one take a lot of like principles and try to parent on principles more so than feelings Mm. which means a lot you know it means sometimes doing things that don't feel right or that feel like oh this is not good but just trusting that the outcome is going to be okay if i just apply the the principles Mm -hmm. um recently you know we're talking about this a little before recently my son uh had a conflict a schedule conflict between he plays little league he wanted to sign up for fall ball and just a put him out there a little bit he'll tell us things that don't jive with his actions like he'll be like oh i love baseball it's my favorite thing i'm just i want to keep practicing and i want to do all this and go to college and play baseball and all this stuff but then he doesn't really put what's required in and that's okay we don't well, he's got different parts. Pick on a part, right? I mean, a part of him wishes he had the willingness to do all that. Right. You know what I mean? But then he's Me also <laughs> involved in his uh, school, and he goes to a really small school. It's a alternative school, which we could probably do a whole podcast on that one day. 
But it's an alternative school, and it's called a free democratic school, and there's like 30-some kids all different ages between like 6 and like probably 18. Um, anyway, it's a small community, and he's spent his whole life there from, well, he first started going there. We were carrying him in in a baby carrier because our daughters went there. So he's known these people. They're like extended family to us. It's been the same staff, the same teachers, a lot of the same students as they've gotten older. Um, and there was a thing at school, and I guess he kind of volunteered for that and didn't realize like, oh, I have this baseball game and this thing because he's 15 and doesn't keep a calendar. Um, and I pointed it out to him Wednesday that he had this conflict, and he's like, Oh, well, I might not want to go to the baseball game. And I could tell he was, like, hesitant to tell me that because he knows how I am about sports and commitment to sports. And um, I didn't put any pressure on him. I just said, well, whatever you want to do, you got to let me know so I can let your team know as soon as possible. If you're not going to be there, you at least got to let them know. You can't just not show up or tell them Saturday morning that you're not coming. Um, we should let them know as soon as you make that decision. So let me know. And he's like, all right, I'll, I'll think about it. And then like two days later, it's like Friday, he's like, comes to me and he's like, well, I don't know. What do you think I should do? And I was fucking super hesitant because like I recognized through recovery that one, my connection to sports and that competition weirdness is unhealthy, you know, and it's not a good, it's not a good relationship that I have with a lot of that stuff and the pressure that I put on myself and kids and all that. So, uh, I said, well. I think you should do whatever you think is right for you. I said, for me, I would probably go to baseball. I said, because that's a commitment I made. You know, school probably has somebody else that can do what you said you would do, but talk to them, see what they say. If they really need you, I get it. I just got to let your coaches know. And uh, ultimately, he made the decision to go do his school thing. Like, And it's like, oh, it's so hard, though, not to want to recreate what I've been conditioned to do and get someone to have all those same values because, you know. It's fascinating. Yeah. I see um, I see this in my life too. My, my wife happens to be the more, God, there's no fucking way to talk about this stuff without sounding shamey sometimes. Like, I'm not trying to be negative here, but she, okay. From Jason's lens, if I was doing the behavior she's doing, it means I'm a little too controlling, personally. <laughs> um, too many opinions about there being a right and wrong way to live or a right or wrong way to be, it feels like to me. Um, and maybe that's just because I've been a guy who feels like I've been judged <laughs> for not <laughs> wanting to live like everybody else. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like there's there's still like this... This cue of danger for her children in my wife. I feel like her body gets cued to danger. It says, oh shit, if this is the behaviors they're enacting, they'll never make it in life and I need to fucking pounce on it and fix it. Right yes. Now. That's what it feels like for her. And I guess for me, I am very, and, and I say this the wrong way because she'll be like, their grades are bad. They're not doing assignments. They're not even getting to school in time. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. They'll figure that shit out. Like... Right. You know, you won't keep a job long if that's how you act. Like, I don't know. It won't take long. You'll figure it out. You'll want something. You'll go figure it out. I don't know. I don't. In my mind, my job there is to hold space for their struggle when the shit doesn't work out. for them, And just to be able to tolerate those feelings of frustration that the world just isn't easy and doesn't give you what you want. 
that's my job. I think I'm not there to fix their decisions or make them make the right ones or like I learn when I do shit wrong and it doesn't feel good. I don't learn when other people tell me what I need to be yeah. doing. So I'm like, I don't want to try to tell anybody. They'll figure it out. They'll be fine. They're good kids. And the more I tell myself that, it's that same words of affirmation, right? When I go into those moments, when my son's doing the thing I don't want him to be doing or hasn't listened or followed directions, I'm walking to that room to tell him and I'm saying, he's a good kid. You're a good dad. He's fucking 14. He doesn't want to clean his room, of course, right? Like it's not, you didn't want to clean your room at 14. It's not a big deal. If you need it clean, go help him clean it. Like, it's just those reminders. Like I'm starting from a point of he will be fine. And from there, I don't feel the danger of tampering with any of it. I just trust. If I just model and be a good dude, he'll just be a fucking good dude. That's how it works, right? I- I'm a fucking chaotic, frenetic, spastic, depressed dude because that's what the <laughs> fuck my parents were, right? right? Why can't I just be a model, a calm, loving, gentle dude and that's what they'll be? Yeah. Uh, I feel good with that. But yeah, I don't know how to help my wife either <laughs> and it's interesting because i've i noticed that at work too with mm. like employees being a supervisor of like people at yeah. work like they're not all motivated by the same things mm. they don't share my particular values like not everybody's gonna go in there every single day and give it like 110 percent, no matter what like they're not gonna come in because their shoulders hurting they're gonna fucking call out and be like my shoulder hurts i'm staying home you know, to me, I'm like, what the fuck? Right. You fucking wuss, get in here and, and fucking work. Like, because that's the shit I tell myself. <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. Right. And leaving space for, damn, I, I wish I took that good of care of myself. Yeah. My shoulder hurts. Maybe I need to stay the fuck home. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm trying to be when I'm doing those behaviors. I'm trying to model for, for the people I work with and my coworkers that, like, when I don't feel well, I don't come. Yeah. That's. Well, what I try to, to do now is look at the, like, Look at an overall picture, right? Each of us is an individual and we have, you know, assets and some of us have some character defects and what are those things? And then recognizing like, I guess I look at character defects and I don't even know if I like that word so much. We have things that we're good at and we have things we're not so good at, you know, and I guess they can head into the defects area if they start causing harm to myself or other people. I mean, can't have people running around hurting coworkers and shit. I just, but I hate this language. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. But, you know, they have things that strong qualities, you know, qualities they're really good at and then some things that they might struggle with a little right. more. But when you look at them as like overall individuals, it's like, all right, well, how well are they doing at the job overall and then what areas are they doing really well at and then what things could they maybe use a little like coaching on or help with that would make them better in those areas i'm trying to like manage more from that perspective than from this like judgy place of like you got a b and c right but you suck at d e and f you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like putting these like grades or criticisms in that way um, trying to like say it's almost like by principles like all right we're supposed to be working together to accomplish a thing or get done you know a goal which is to make money for the company um, but can we do that in ways that we're still like caring and compassionate towards each other as human beings you know mm. and I don't expect that out of them because they're old like hard ass men with their I'm sure uh traditional men's values of like suppressing your feelings and all that shit so yeah 
but trying to bring a, a different, trying to live life not repeating the same conditioning that I've gotten my whole life. Being able to look at the areas where that conditioning from my upbringing or from society or whatever hasn't worked and then trying to change that within the relationships that I have, whether it's parenting, whether it's through my marriage, whether it's through, uh, you know, being a supervisor at work. Like, I think a lot of us get into this robot mode where we just, even though what we've got doesn't work, that's what we do anyway, because that's all we know. Well, I, God, now we're getting into expounding to the world and society and what the fuck is wrong with it. But like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've told everybody that okay most important thing for life to survive right but we've trained and conditioned our entire population that the way to work against the threat of survival that is always hanging over your shoulder is to work hard and make money right so that's our number one priority over everything it's it's over the people in our families it's over other people in our neighborhoods it's over the wildlife and you know uh ecology in our environment like we don't give a fuck about life it is not important it is second class to making money because making money is survival and all of our fucking decisions are based on that in the world and every time we decide based on money over people we hurt people and until we accept that we're going to keep doing it and i don't know where else to go from there we make decisions about how we have to go to work, even though we can tell you scientifically it is way better for your child if you were the fuck home with them all the time. Both parents. We know this, especially the first two years when it's super critical. Do we give a fuck? No. You know why? Because that would take money out of the workforce. We can't afford to give all the people money out of our pockets. Jesus, have you seen gas prices? Yeah. We don't give a fuck about science. We don't give a fuck about life. And that's where my whole spiel with this change in me has started. Life is more important than anything else. I don't give a fuck. Anything that comes between me and having good relationships with my kids, I will do mental gymnastics and figure it the fuck out because I, that's the most important thing to me. Not money, not any of that other shit, not buying more things, not vacations. I say that. We're getting ready to take a vacation. I got very mixed feelings <laughs> right. about it, right? It's going to be a very expensive blur at the end of the week. That's not really what I want <laughs> in my life anymore, you know? But yeah, it's tricky, man. I, I don't know how to, you're at work and you're frustrated with those guys who are having hard days and maybe didn't get enough sleep and maybe their kid's going through something or their grandkid and they're struggling and you're mad at them because they're not making money, right? That's what it all comes uh, down to because they're not doing the job well enough to keep the company making enough money or more money. Sort or, of. I mean, there's a bit of a trade-off there. Like, I mean, there is a thing if if like, to me, like just to break it down to super simple terms, like if I pay you to come paint my fence and say, hey, I need my fence painted in the next three days, and you go, okay, yeah, I'll take your money and I'll paint your fence in three days. And then you're like, well, I decided I'm not painting your fence in three days, but I took your money. So like there's a, you know what I mean? There is a bit of a trade-off. Like if you agree to do something, you should follow through on what you say you're going to do. Obviously there are whatever you want to call it, like real things. Like, oh, if your mom died, well, maybe I understand. But if it's just you wanted to go hang out the fucking Wawa for 45 minutes, you know. 
There's what a, if you needed to hang out at the Wawa for 45 minutes because life day, doesn't though? feel good? I don't know, man. I, I right, agree. I'm talking about some of our uh, now. Now we're getting into real issues. It's like, well, okay, so you clock in and then you go to Wawa for 40 minutes <laughs> and, 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 and then yeah. go to your first job. So, I mean, in my <laughs> mind, in my mind, this is how it it's all like working. Right, and I get that. I get that. One thing I do need to point out before I even go into this spiel is... uh. Yeah, we all made agreements, right? But the only people writing the terms and conditions of the agreements are the people in fucking power. So I didn't get any fucking say in the agreement, Billy. (laughs) You know what I mean? I didn't get to say, no, this agreement sucks. Let's rewrite it to 20-hour work weeks. Because I would (laughs) have. They're trying. 32. (laughs) Hey, uh, I'm telling you. I'm all for it. (laughs) Look, as soon as we go to a four-day work week, I personally am going to three. (laughs) I'm at four now, and I'm like, I need less than everybody else for sure. Okay, so this is my understanding of what's happening for each of us to the best of, again, I'm speaking for Jason because this is what I think is happening for me, but I think this is what's happening for all of us. There's a level of what we'll call feel good in your body, right? And it's from zero to 100. And the closer you are to 100, the more options you have of what you can do when you face any given situation, right? From that calm nervous system of this place of a hundred, when things happen, I can see all the nuance and like probably a thousand different varieties of ways for me to handle it. But as that number 100 of feel good comes down in my body, I get less and less options on my menu whenever it's time to order, right? So when I get to that Wawa in the morning and the options are like start work right now or wait 45 minutes and I'm looking at my menu and my feel good number is down at like 22 because that's probably where we're all at. I'm like, I don't have the fucking choice to start work right now. The only option in my body is to stand here for 45 minutes at 22 feel good. And then we're all blaming each other and ourselves for not being better. When we can't understand that the environment or what I'm saying is the conditions of what we've created for life is actually so fucking toxic that every decision we make is taking our feel good number down. We're making a left where our DNA is saying make a fucking right and it doesn't feel good. And then we're all blaming each other for not being good enough. This isn't what human life is supposed to look like. We've been in touch with uncontacted tribes. We know what fucking humans do based on their DNA and what it calls for action-wise. All this other shit we do doesn't fit in with it, and we can't accept it. Yeah. I don't know what else to say about it. Like, Yeah, well, and I guess for me, like, that's where recoveries come in. Like, it's taught me, like, when my feel-good is at 22... I have some tools in a toolbox of things that I can try to do to get that number back. Yes, but Billy, what if I sat here today, and I can't say this because I don't know it, but what if I could like somehow show you the history of your feel-good, and even though you've thought it's been pretty high, it's never been above 43? Wouldn't that blow your mind today to be like, oh, fuck, no wonder I couldn't do all that shit. Because that's yeah. what I, I mean. It happening. could, but yeah, now <laughs> that's what a, I think's happening. Now we're in for hypotheticals, us. but yeah, I got right. yeah, and I can't prove it. But when we start, this is what I did. I can't prove it, but I started looking at it like that, and I started basing my decisions on life based on that, and my feel good has gone up a fuck ton. So that's what makes me say, <laughs> yeah. I think there's something to this. Yeah, right. You know, maybe I can try to give this to other people because it's I feel a lot fucking better than I've ever felt in my life. Yeah, but just to circle this way back around to all like the marriage and all that stuff. So, you know, here me and my wife been together for 20 something years. We both have a lot of recovery, um, you know, or a lot. I don't know a lot. We have a lot of time. I don't know that we have that much recovery. Um, We have a long time. Um, 
but it's taken all that time. Like she's like, man, I wish we could have figured this out like way sooner yeah. or way earlier. And I'm like, I don't know if I could have processed it or handled maybe. it way earlier. I mean, maybe like it's easy to say, oh yeah, if I'd have learned all this in our first year, right. you know, our marriage would be way better. But it could have been like, maybe I wouldn't have known what to do with this fucking information. I mean, like this is bullshit and I couldn't even have heard it. You know, I just don't know and I can't live on the hypothetical. Yeah. But, you know, what I can see like now today is that it took me getting to this place to have the ability um, with learning tools to like, hey, I'm responsible for how I feel when I'm feeling all this anxiety and, you know, chaos and sort of ADHD shit in my head. Like I had to learn other skills like exercise and meditation and you know therapy like I needed all those skills to get me to a place of like oh okay well now I feel good enough or safe enough to dig deep into some of this childhood shit and to allow myself to recognize uh some of the maybe uh, small T trauma, I'll call it, of like being raised in a household where nobody like physically beat you or any of that stuff, but your mom was pretty fucking overbearing and you weren't allowed to feel and you weren't allowed to, you know, you might not recognize that as trauma, but that over years and years of time of no one caring about your feelings, uh, that has an impact, you know, and, and to be able to sit with that, um, like it took me to being where I am at with myself now to be able to recognize that for what it is. It took me, I feel like what really set all this off was the right questions, right? People asking mm, me stuff yeah. like, when do you have fun? <laughs> oh, I fucking don't. That's a problem, right? Yeah. Um, it took having a few of the right supports in my life, man. Like some really, really solid relationships that just felt like I could do the darkest, ugliest stuff in my soul. And those people would find a way to love me and understand like the, that feeling of security really fucking helped me to like spread my wings a little and be more vulnerable and take more chances and stuff like that. Um, and, and this is where I feel like I've gotten to, and I keep wanting to describe this somewhere. So maybe here's the place. And I keep feeling like people are going to look at me like I'm crazy when I say it, but whatever I, I generally went through life. I was going through, Shit didn't feel good. And, and what I would do is turn towards myself and judge the fuck out of me. Why the fuck can't you just do this stuff in a way that feels okay for you? Everybody else is out there fucking doing it. What's wrong with you that you can't just do the shit, right? And now the change has been, honestly, I, I accept that the way this fucking meat skin suit or whatever that I was gifted, I accept the way it feels about this life. It fucking hates it. It doesn't like it. It doesn't like anything about the way the world is designed. In fact, this body thinks it could design the fucking world and the way we live way better than the way it is. And it hates it. And it's all disgusting and gross and fucking yucky. And we got to go be at work for all these fucking hours when all we want to do is be around the people we love. And it's got this disgusting shit that comes out of your nose and your ass and all this. Like, I hate it all, right? But I accept that. Okay. I'm a guy that fucking hates this stuff. How can I, since I'm stuck here doing it, best take care of myself and make it as fun as possible? Right. I don't give a fuck what people think about it anymore. <laughs> I hate this fucking life. I'm going to make it as enjoyable as possible for me. And that just feels wonderful to me. And I feel like it sounds weird, but <laughs> I don't know. That's my standpoint now. That's what I'm trying to operate from. Yeah.
Did you like this episode? Share it with people you think might get something out of it. Check out the rest of our episodes at recoverysortof.com. Also, while you're there, you can find ways to link up with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, anything. We're always looking for new ideas. Got an idea you want us to look into? Reach out to us. <laughs>